Welcome to Live to Grind. My name is Brennan T. Adams, serial entrepreneur, inventor, TV creator, and speaker, passionate about helping others create something great and become unforgettable. Join me each week to discuss practical ways to help you increase your income and impact as an influencer in your industry. My goal is to help you take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the Live to Grind podcast show. I'm Brennan Z. Adams, and today we have Lewis Howes of the School of Greatness. This interview has been an interview that I've been wanting to do since I started podcasting. We finally got it to happen for the podcast show, and wow, it, it's my best interview yet. It's We we uncover everything about Lewis Howes and his journey. We talk about when he first, when he was playing for football, he wanted to make it to the NFL. You're going to learn what it takes to actually make it to the NFL if you want to make it big. We go into his transition for in the business world. And I mean, he had his identity stripped going from everybody knowing him for being a football player to, well, not playing football ever again and being on his sister's couch. We talk about the transition and how he got into webinars and LinkedIn, and then he started doing podcasting. He gives some great advice to podcasting. It might actually really surprise you what he says about podcasting and if you should even start a podcast show. He mentions some of his mentors who actually have been on the show before, which it's it's just cool to see the people that have helped him along in his journey. We talk about Think and Go Rich, the movie that we are both in, and our take on the book, how it's affected our life. And then we go into video, my favorite part. Video is everything. Lewis Howes is doing more video than I thought. He talks about some of the big projects he has coming up, including a documentary, and just what he thinks actually with Netflix and Facebook and who's going to win in the future and where things will go with that. And then relationships. We talk about the power relationships and how they're everything. Then we go to his new book coming out, which I highly suggest that you get. It is called The Mask of Masculinity. Lewis Howes put this book out in something that he really wanted to do for himself and something that everybody should read. I actually got this at the Summit of Greatness. It's a mask of masculinity, how men embrace vulnerability, create strong relationships, and live their fullest lives. Great book. Get it. You can go to lewishowes.com. You can get it there. It's going to be in Barnes & Noble. It'll be everywhere. We bought, heck, we bought a bunch already that we gave away when we launched Ambitious Adventures. He actually was on the live we did with Entrepreneur.com. We had a lot of people on. Everybody loves it so far. If you haven't checked it out, go to Entrepreneur.com. You can see Ambitious Adventures under TV shows, and we have that going there. And the first actual show that we have has Lewis on. So it's just an honor to be in the room with Lewis under the greatness sign, and you're going to love this interview. This It made gave me so many ideas to act on while there. Um, I'm already acting on them. I know you're going to love it too. So let's jump right into it with Lewis House. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Live to Grind podcast show. I'm Bernie C. Adams, and today we're in studio with Lewis Howes. How's it going, buddy? It's going well, man. Thanks. It's amazing. This is, I love this studio, by the way. Thank you. The greatness sign, everything. I mean, you're... The Phoenix Rising, yes. Yeah. The quote of The Rock to inspire him to come to my studio, yes. Oh, all man. Here. You'll get him. Yeah. You'll get him. He'll be here. It's happening. I know. I know what's happening. You, you put it out like two years ago? Three and a half years ago. Three and a half years ago? Yeah. 
I imagine it'll probably happen in the next six months. We'll see. Let's yeah. hope. Yeah, yeah. So for you, I've been following you from podcasts. Actually, I got into podcasting because I saw what you were doing. I'm like, you know, this guy's doing podcasting. I want to start my own show. And I laughed. You said earlier, it's like, if you want to start a podcast right now, don't do it. Right. Because it's so hard. And yep. I've definitely seen the grind, I think, 300 episodes in. But for you... It's a lot of episodes. I know, right? Three, three a week. It's a lot. Three a week. It's a lot. But uh, So for you, when you were a little boy... When you were a kid, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? What, what was your... For me, I was a pro athlete. Yeah. That's all I cared about. just wanted to play sports and get paid to play. What was the reason behind that? Just you loved it seems sports? seems like fun. It seemed like it's fun. I got to perform in front of a bunch, bunch of people, and I got to do something I love to do. And that's all I wanted to do was just have fun, play, and have people watch me. So what did you do to get to the point to get to the semi-pro was professional or professional so or, uh, arena bad. football? Yeah, arena it's just football. Just not the NFL. Yeah, um, I I really just had a dream. I was I think the thing that I was able to do well was just dream a lot. I was able to dream a lot as a kid and believe that my dreams were possible. And I focused on those dreams every single day, and that was to be a professional athlete. And I just said, okay, that's my strategy. Now I need a schedule. You know, in order to have a great game plan, you need a strategy and a schedule. So I had the dream. It's my game plan. Then I created a strategy. Okay, what are the stages I'm going to get there? And then I scheduled it out. So every year, I committed to executing the workouts day by day. I would go to workout sessions. I would go to different centers. I would put in the work. Put in the work, man. It's just very simple. A lot of people don't have the strategy and the schedule. And that's how you get things done. So for somebody listening right now or watching who wants to make it in football during high school, mm-hmm. what's it really take, man? Well, you got to have the skill first. You got to have the skill. You got to have the yeah. skill. If you're, yeah. not, if you're not fast enough, so for me, my strategy was like, okay, I need to run a certain forty-yard dash. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. If you don't run a certain forty-yard dash, the chances are even slimmer if you're not at that that mark. So for me, it was always I need to work on speed. It was speed training every single day. It was jumping training. It was explosiveness training. That's what it was because I knew I would eventually get bigger and stronger. So I just focused on the speed because you can't train. You can't like teach speed. Mm-hmm. You've got to train it, and you either got the speed or you don't. And um, I was, like, close to getting it. So I trained it yeah. to try to get there better. And I only ran a 4.6, and it's still not fast enough, a 4.6-second uh, 40-yard dash. So you've got to have the skill. I mean, if you want to be the best in the world, you've got to be skills for it. So you had a setback when you got injured. Yep. What was going through your mind when you realized you were no longer going to be able to play football? Um. My whole identity was wrapped around this. My whole identity was, I'm an athlete, I'm a football player, and if I can no longer be that identity, then who am I? So it was like a question of, like, well, who am I? If I'm not this, what am I? Who am I? What's my purpose? So it was a couple of years of trying to figure out, okay, what's, what's the rest of my life going to look like, or at least the next five years or something. And um, it's hard, man. I think anytime someone goes through a breakup in a relationship, that relationship is your identity. Yeah. You're like, well, this is my partner. This is my girlfriend. This is my fiance. This is my... Your other uh, half. Yeah, your other half. And everyone knew us as a couple, and now we're not. So that identity is stripped of me. So you go through of like, okay, well, that's why a lot of people, they'll be single for a while. They'll either jump right back into a relationship because they don't know how to handle it being single, or they'll be single and they'll learn all these new things about themselves. They're like, oh, I forgot how much I used to love doing this and I used to like doing this. And they gain their kind of identity back. Um, same thing with a career. When you're worth a brand for so long, and then you no longer work for that brand, so many people know you as the person that worked at that company. 
maybe you were important in that company, and now you no longer have that importance, and you lost the job, or you decided to leave and try something else, and you're not that anymore. It's a new transition. So it's a transition, yeah. So I think that's the scariest part is uncertainty. So in that two years, what were some of the things you did while trying to find yourself? I seeked out to a lot of mentors. I just said I need to find people who have achieved something yeah. at a high level. It didn't matter what industry. I just wanted to meet people who had achieved more than I had, and that was pretty much everyone. Who were some of the mentors? I had some local mentors in Columbus, um, a guy named Frank Agan, who was a great public speaker and also had written a bunch of books. He taught me how to speak, and, and I wrote my first book with him. Yeah. I had Chris Hawk, who was a friend of mine. And he's been on the show, great guy. Yeah, he's yeah. a mentor and a friend of mine now. And He taught me about branding and design. He's an inventor. He taught me about you know sales, marketing, everything. So I learned so much about having an idea and turning it into a physical thing that people bought from him. Um, then I had another great mentor named Stuart Jenkins who just taught me about life and how to be a good human being. And it's a good na- thing to have. <laughs> yeah, just like he was just really successful at everything. Like he had a great kids, great wife, great way of his like essence was just so profound. He was very successful in business as well. And I was just like, you're just a great role model. The- we all need that. Yeah. And again, we are talking before about just so many people go for the dollar. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need the money to sustain, but when you start going towards a passion and actually doing things for a bigger impact, people trust you more yeah. and you get more in return. I think so many people need to see that early on. And it takes, heck, maybe a divorce or yeah. something bad to happen in their life where they realize it. Yeah. It's cool to see you realize it at such a young age. So for you, that transition, LinkedIn webinars mm-hmm. and now your podcast show yep. how have you been able to transition your brand because like you said before when you're known for something you have to change it how yeah. do you transition your brand reinvention is hard because <laughs> some people you know so many people i started getting into linkedin early on and so many people saw me as the linkedin guy because i branded myself was that yeah i was like this is who i am this is another like identity that i'm going to wear because i wanted to build my personal brand around that and then as I transitioned out of it, it was hard because everyone kept saying, well, aren't you this guy and aren't you this guy? I said, no, now this is what I'm focused on. And I'm constantly doing that. Like, this is what I'm focused on. This is what I'm focused on. And um, it's challenging. You gotta, I think it starts with the design, you know, as opposed to saying everything that's one thing in the past. You've got to design so that when people see it, they say, okay, I can see what this is now. And maybe some people are going to linger from past conversations, but you're just putting it out there and then you're messaging, you're talking about new things, you're putting it out there on social media as well to show people what you're going to be now. So why did you get in podcasting when you first started what, five I got years in, ago? Yeah, I got in for a few reasons. One, I was in transition. I had sold a company and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do next. Yeah. I was like, what do I want to talk about? Who do I want to be? Um, what business do I want to build? And I was in L.A., stuck in traffic and just kind of going through a lot of stuff in my life through the transition from my business, a bad breakup I was going through, and moving to a new city from New York where I was before. I just felt like a little stuck in general. Mm-hmm. Like everything was kind of off. And I said, I really want to do something for me that even if it doesn't make money, it would fuel me. And I have these great relationships with powerful and successful people in multiple industries. I just want to start having those conversations with people to learn myself and then also share that wisdom with others. Because every time I was having those conversations, I was like, man, if people could hear this, it would be really powerful for them. And so that's why I created it. And I started asking a couple friends who had podcasts. I was just like, tell me more about this. Is this yeah. thing big or is this going to be big? 
and they were like, it's our favorite thing to do, you know, in quality leads for our business, and it's just fun. Who was your mentor at the time when you... I didn't have any mentors. I, I, I asked, I called Pat Flynn, and I called Derek Halper, and I just asked them, like, for 20 minutes, like, tell me about... Podcasting. Just, like, how it is for you, and if you like it or not, and they were like, yeah, we love it. And so I was like, huh. <laughs> I, I just had a feeling like it was going to blow up. Like, this was before... You really, everyone had a smart. There was smartphones were coming almost like everyone had them, but they weren't yet. Um, podcasting was easier to access on the phones and in cars, and it was just like starting to be easier than having to go on iTunes and like find the link. It was just right on your phone, and so I just had a feeling like that was just going to take off, and then luckily it did. It did. You know, it did. And well, serial and all these other shows became mainstream, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I just kind of got in. Before everyone else tried to, and it was so. If if somebody wanted to get in right now, what does that look like? Is it- yeah, I would say don't. I would don't say do don't it. do it unless you're going to be so different and unique. Uh, if your show is going to be anything like someone else's show, then don't do it. Then what would you tell them to do instead? I would say create a series that's never been done. So if you're going to do a podcast, create a series of something that's never been done, and do it so well produced that people have to talk about it. So if they didn't do podcasting, what would be your your other option? I think video is just going to constantly be big. If you're trying to get your con, if you're trying to build an audience and get content out there, I think video, video is powerful and personal brand. I think a video, video content is powerful if done well and done right. So where tell me your transition because you're doing podcasting, but you're doing a lot more video. Mm-hmm. What's next for you with video? Uh, <laughs> well, documentaries. Yeah. I think I'm always trying to push the boundaries of telling stories and providing valuable content. And now the whole wave is everyone's in a podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, well, what's the thing that no one's willing to invest in because it's hard and it's challenging and it's not easy to do and they don't know how to get into it. And I see Netflix and Facebook and these other platforms who are buying content, premium content, as a place to get in and tap into new audiences. So we're filming a documentary right now. I think you saw it at the the Summit of Greatness. Yeah. And it's a big investment. It's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> exactly. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy. It's a massive risk. But I've also felt like I've put in the reps and I've got the team that has proven results from doing documentaries before with other big names that I'm like, okay, even though it's a big risk and a lot, in terms of the money, I feel like it could pay off in such a massive way if we execute it the way that they have in the past and that I can and with my relationships, I think it could be massive. So, and so it's like using the theme of video and storytelling and creating content and thinking of creative ways to get ahead of the curve, not jumping into something now in an average way. If you're going to jump into something that's already taking off like podcasting, make it so unique, so different that people have to talk about it. But they're probably not going to listen to you unless you've already got a massive audience. Yeah. So what's the angle that's going to be different than all the other podcasts? If it's a business-related show, what's the angle that's different than every other business-related show? If it's a fitness show, what's the angle that's different than every other show? And do that. Um, but I'm always thinking of, okay, what's the thing that is going to be accessible in two to three years but isn't yet? Yes, storytelling is the most powerful thing we have. And you look at, I mean, mm-hmm. just past history, yep. storytellers grow an audience. 
And with video, you can see it's more than just hearing. You you can multi-purpose it. And that's why I'm also just investing in video. And yes, it is very expensive. Expensive, man. A lot of time. You just got shot this TV show a year ago. Oh, man. It's 16 months. And and we were supposed to launch. Yeah. So it's it, out right now, but it was like took took a long time. It's always longer than what you think. It's long, man. It's, it takes a lot of energy, but that's why you know this book that I've got right now, or any book, it's a two year process, and most people don't have the patience to wait that long. Long run, man. And so I'm willing to invest in something that's not going to come out for two years because I know the potential that piece of one content will have, whether it's a book, a documentary. That it's a one piece of content that is produced and packaged in such a way that can actually infect humanity with a positive result. And as opposed to just like, let me be consistent on social media and post out little stuff here and there, that's fine. But if you really want to make an impact, I think you've got to be willing to put out these cornerstone pieces of content. Purpose. With purpose. And so that's why I have books. And I'm going to do another book, I think, next year because I just believe that something about a cornerstone piece of content that helps you stand out as an entrepreneur or as a personal brand. That's why I'm doing a documentary because I believe it would be a cornerstone piece of content okay. that people would be like, how the fuck did you guys do this? And how'd you pull this off? Yeah. And wow, it's so interesting and inspiring. And wow, it's like so unique and different. And I just want to talk about it. I want to tell my friends. And then they want to tell their friends. And you're just spreading the message that you want to spread because you do something unique as opposed to do something like everyone else. Let's talk about, I mean, everybody wants to do a book, and you say it takes time. Mm-hmm. New York Times bestselling author. How, what kind of work? Like, give us, like, seeing firsthand, what does it take to hit a New York Times bestselling author? Specifics. Luck. Grind. <laughs> well, New York Times is, is hard because it's based on an algorithm that doesn't really matter how many books you sell or how much press you get. You can do the best you can by diversifying your sales from Amazon to Barnes & Noble to local retailers to getting a lot of mainstream press to book touring to all these other things. Um, But it doesn't matter. It matters to a committee of what they think is worthy of the list. So that's why the Wall Street Journalist is based on the number of sales. That's why anyone can hit that list. Because if you get a certain number of sales... Anybody can buy their way. You can get there, yeah. New York Times is more subjective. It's based on what people think is credible. That's why a lot of YouTubers aren't making the list with their big, you know, their big books that they have because the New York Times is just saying, well, I don't know if that's credible enough or what we want to be on the list. They may sell tons more copies than other people, but someone else's topic gets there. So, I think you just got to try to be the, the best you can be and give it all you got. Yeah, that's it, man. But um, yeah. So the video side of things, again, I, I'm very obsessed with video, obviously from Crane's show and yeah. other projects. Where do you see it? Because Netflix obviously is big. Facebook is big. They're competitors. Yeah. Where do you see it going in three years with video? What's going to happen with this? I see Netflix is just going to keep growing. And then there's going to be other people trying to compete. You know, Hulu, Amazon, they're all creating great content as well. What do you think Facebook will do? Handmaid's Tale is huge. I think Facebook is going to ultimately either going to be neck and neck with Netflix or they're going to fail. Yeah. I think. I think they're going to That's be, maybe one day they'll be able to take over Netflix, but I think for the next five to ten years, they're going to have to take a while to catch Netflix. It's going to take three to five years, I think, to catch yeah. them. And they're going to have to invest a lot and create amazing content. And it's going to be a different, though. You're going to go to Netflix to watch more movies and documentaries yeah. and series. On Facebook, I think you'll be watching more mini TV shows. So I think it's going to be almost different platforms still. 
competing in some ways, but I think it's going to be a while until Facebook's like doing the massive movies like Netflix is doing to where you're going to want to go there and watch a 90-minute show or a series of like binge-watching on Facebook. I'm not sure if that's going to happen yet. Um, but I think it's going to get there eventually. There's competition. I mean, that's yeah. why I'm looking like... And it, isn't it crazy to see? I mean, we're both in Thick and Grits of the Legacy. Yep. And with that movie, I mean, there's so many options. And do you do the Netflix? What what option is going to be the best? Where is that? For that movie, you mean? Or for? For, for anything. Yeah, 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 for that as well. But look at Millennials. I mean, I don't watch TV. Yeah. I, Netflix, I watch every Netflix. Once, Netflix every once in a while. Yeah. But it, the, just the transition. And I, I want to talk about Thick and Grits. Mm-hmm. So I read it when I was 20. I'm 27 years old. Mm-hmm. Completely changed my life. Yeah. Tell me how that book, because now it's a movie and it's out, and I'm honored to say we're in that together. Yes. Tell me how that changed your life, how you think. You know, I remember going, I was in like a, someone told me to read it, I think I was 22 or 23 yeah. when I was broke, and it was like a book club. Once a week we got on the phone and we and would like about it. coach and talk, talk to me about like what I learned and the lessons. And I actually didn't get through it. I only got through like the first four or five chapters. And because I was so busy executing on what I learned in the first like few, just like the the catalyst, the ideas. I don't even remember everything that I was talking about, but just the idea of a mastermind was powerful for me, mm-hmm. and being around these people. So I just said, okay, I'm going to go do that. Then I don't need to keep reading. I'm going to go be around rich, successful people and mm-hmm. learn from them. So I just executed. I was like, all right, got it. Now let me go apply it. And that's the, you know. For me, I've always been a, a good student of like, if you tell me something that works, I'm going to go apply it and try it. And I'll try it for a while until I get good at it. Yeah. And so I'll miss out on so many other things because I'm like, oh, this one thing worked, let me just ramp it up. So when I first did my first webinar, it worked. I made money and I was like, this is it. I'm going to do this every day for the next whatever, the rest of my life if it continues to work. And I just fixated on that one thing for so many years. And it worked. So it's like, I didn't have to learn everything else. Right then. Focus on that specialized knowledge like, on one thing. Yeah, I just needed to get results. And so I got results and I kept fixating on it. And then as I got to a certain point, I was like, all right, let me learn some other stuff. Yeah. And let me apply something else to like streamline it so I'm not working all day on this. And then we learn something else to like reach more of an audience and all these things. But I think a lot of people also try to learn too much right away. Yeah. Like just take one idea from a podcast or one thing from a book. Don't try to do all of it at once one thing from a conference and go execute for three months. I think the one thing that we both agree on is, I mean, for in the book, it's the mastermind principle. Mm-hmm. We both do masterminds. And, I mean, I, I love seeing on stage, uh, we have Sterling Griffin, a common friend, uh-huh. and everything he's accomplished, yep. which is so cool to see. Yep. But you are the average of the five people you hang out with. Mm-hmm. And when you bring people together, you can learn so much. I mean, I'm not the smartest guy. I, I just surround myself with people who know what to do. Yeah, exactly. Relationships is it, man. Relationships Connections. are key. And that's the thing. You can never have too many inspiring relationships. No. So I'm always willing to, to connect with people just to meet them and add value and try to find one thing that I can learn that I can apply. Don't try to learn it all. Just one thing. One thing. It's cool to see because you're talking about books and now doing your own documentary and thinking to rich a book and now yeah. it's a movie. And just the power of in this day and age, we have to have video. Yeah. I mean, with ADD, all these people always like... They're focused on so many different shiny objects. But if we can create a video that inspires, motivates, and educates people and entertains them yeah, because man. they need that, yep. you can make a big impact. Yeah. And people remember these videos. You know, think about what's your favorite movie of all time? Top couple. 
Oh, anything with Will Smith. Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. What's which one? What I am Legend. Think? I like. What is it? I what's like, a moment in I Am Legend you, that stands out if you think about it right now? Like one of the scenes. What's he doing? It was emotion, man. It was just his emotion on his face, and just seeing him um, thinking about the action scenes. All, yeah. But yeah. just the emotion from him doing something, and I think it was probably the part where it's close to death for him, mm-hmm. and just in that moment, it's like whoa. It's that moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember the scene in there where he has to kill his dog. Yeah. And he's, like, strangling his dog because he got bit or whatever, and he got infected, and then he, he's, like, sad because he's, like, I have to kill my dog right now, and I'm strangling him, and I think he shoots him or whatever he does. Yeah. But it's that emotion. You know, again, it's a story that we remember, and it's relatable to something in our life. And for me, that's the power of video. It's, like, when you can tap into that emotion, people remember the feeling. And you remember these movies because of a feeling you gave you. It's a you. feeling you make. Yeah, it's a feeling you create in people's hearts. And that's the power of video. And that's why I look at all these actors and when I watch the movies, it was that feeling they gave me. Mm-hmm. And that's what drove me. And same for you, I imagine, is yeah. giving that feeling to other people. That's it, man. To motivate them. That's and it. it's not so much of what they said, it's how they made you feel. Mm-hmm. The power of video. So, so obviously we got the book here and this is going to be out. Talk about this. Yeah, the mask of masculinity. I I just started asking myself after my last book. Everyone was like, "What's next? What's next?" And I was like, "Well, I'm focused on now. I'm focused on yeah. like what's now first off." But I just started asking myself, "What's been the most meaningful thing for me over the last few years that's helped me grow?" And it was all the stuff that I talk about in the book of the things that were holding me back my entire life were also the things that were helping me achieve everything I wanted. Yeah. And so it was very confusing because I was achieving everything but feeling very unfulfilled inside when I would achieve these things. So I wanted to dive in deeper. And, I, and then I was getting very angry still. I was getting angry, resentful, passive-aggressive. And I wasn't feeling authentic fully because I was afraid to share with people things about my mm-hmm. life. And when I started to open up and share in an organic, vulnerable way with people, they said that they trust me more. They said that they wanted to work with me more they said that they were like inspired more they would follow me anywhere I was like what it's just crazy man and so I said wow this is where a lot of the pain in our world is stemming from it's from men who are hurt who don't know how to express themselves in a healthy way I didn't know how to express myself in a vulnerable way because I was afraid to I was afraid of what people would think about me what they would say about me if they would accept me if they would be friends with me so I let my expression out through anger or through attacking or through needing to be right or through needing to win all the time, uh, needing to put others down as opposed to lift others up. And it just never felt good at the end of the day. In that moment, maybe it felt like good to do something, but I always felt like dirty, you know, and never like felt enough. So I just started to shift out of it and started trying to lift others up. And listen, I wrote this because I need it the most for myself. Because even this morning, I got angry and upset and wanted to punch someone in the face Mm -hmm. because of what I felt like he was doing to me. And I felt very attacked by this person that I trusted with a relationship that I had introduced to him. And I felt like he abused it. And I was like texting him just kind of like angry. I was like, dude, you keep making excuses. You're not being responsible. And I still get mad. I still get angry. I still get frustrated. So I wrote this for me to constantly remind myself that getting angry, trying to get back at someone, making someone wrong constantly does not support my vision of impacting people. We have to surrender. Yeah, or we just take it to, to breathe and 
express it in a different way than just trying to be angry and make them wrong or us needing to be right or whatever. Because again, for 30 minutes, I was stressed out. I was overwhelmed. I was angry. And it took me, it gave that person my power as opposed to me saying, you don't have power over me. Yeah. This isn't okay, but I'm going to handle it with more grace and get to the bottom of this and make sure it's complete. And then go back to focusing on my vision because that's what matters in the world. Not fixating on one thing of a guy who tried to hurt me or attack me or whatever the story I'm telling about myself. It takes me away from impacting other people. And it, it makes me upset inside. It makes me like residual pain. It's like it doesn't feel good. It takes a lot of courage. And I'm, I'm glad you wrote this book yeah. because there are so many people, even people I know that are close to me who have had been affected when they're younger mm-hmm. or whether they've been sexually abused or anything. And most people don't want to talk about it. And their life is controlled from somebody else that did something to them yeah. or whatever it may be. So this is needed. I'm yeah. glad you did Thanks. this. And I just want to acknowledge you before we end, Lewis. You know, I don't think you realize the impact you've had on my life. Three years ago, I studied podcasting. I did podcasting because of you. Mm-hmm. I said one day I'll interview Lewis Howes. And it's cool to see just working with you on different projects and where things can go if you really work hard. You believe in yourself. And also, I want to thank you for inspiring me because I, I had many people that told me about the program for MITT. Mm-hmm. And really, I always looked up to you, and I did it because I knew you did it. And right. my life has completely changed. My just got engaged. My girlfriend, right, right. like, that saved my relationship. And you've done so much for me. So I want to acknowledge you, and I know you're doing that for so many That's other right. people. And I thank you. I don't know how else I can appreciate thank it, you man. any other way, but uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, it make me cry. <laughs> but uh, so if, if we end this first for all of you listening, get this book, get this book, check it out, check out his podcast show. This guy has influenced me to do many big things. And for you, Lewis, before we go, what's your advice? Just anything you want to leave with the audience? This is mostly entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs, people looking to get into business. My advice is to focus on something that brings you a lot of joy and brings you a lot of excitement to work on that can also make you a lot of money. Because if you're just doing something you love but it doesn't make money, then it's a hobby. Mm-hmm. So you got to figure out a way to package your passion and turn it into some type of income for yourself. But if you're just going after thing, some business or getting into it because it's going to make you a lot of money, eventually you're going to ask yourself, well, how can I find something else to bring meaning to my life? So you might as well try to work on both at the same time from the start. Good stuff, man. Hey, yeah. take that to heart for all of you listening and watching. You know what time it is. It is time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Bernie C. Adams. We'll see you later. What a show, huh? Lewis is amazing guy. I mean, this guy has been on Ellen three times. He's created a documentary. He has a New York Times bestselling book. He has done so many different things. One of the top podcasts in the world. I mean, top 100, I believe it is. And just from what he's done and the impact he's made in my life and many others, it's so inspirational and, and powerful and it, it was cool to be in that room with him to get this interview done and just an honor to both of us be in the movie Thinking Rich to the Legacy. 
So please go get his book. Go over to lewishouse.com. Get his book. Get a copy of his book. Heck, get 10 copies, 100 copies. Heck, maybe he'll even come speak at your event if you buy enough books. But just a great book that I highly suggest you check out. And Lewis Howes, an individual, one of the people that I look up to. And I always say, find somebody who's already achieved what you want to achieve and follow in their footsteps. Lewis Howes is definitely one of those guys that I look up to and just looking forward to working with him on other things in the future. So that's all I got for today's show. I hope you enjoyed this. Please share this out with people. This is a show that I think everybody needs to hear with everything going on in this time for marketing, for video, for everything. Just being coming from a place of happiness and helping. I mean, that's what he's about. He said all about impact and income. So share this with your friends. Let them know about it. This is my favorite show and just a monumental part of my career for podcasting. Thank you all for listening and just tuning into this podcast show. It means a lot to me. We're, wow, like 300 episodes in almost. It's been a, quite the journey, and it's uh, a long ways ahead. And along the way, if you guys ever have any questions, you have anything, reach out to me, Brandon at BrandonTAdams.com. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know about this show, and just come say hi. I will definitely respond, and who knows, maybe we'll meet up for coffee sometime. That's it for today's show. Hope you liked it. And until next time, y'all, go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brendan C. Adams. Have a great day, everyone.